to it here. All right, Liberty Expert Nation, I am here with a special guest. This is Rob Boutelier, Boutelier. Uh, we're going to get to the bottom of how to pronounce his name. You might know him as the patriotic dad. This guy is, is tearing it up on social media. He's been in the patriot movement for a while, making waves and getting social media shares. I've been following him for a while. And recently, it seems like uh, he's tweeting a lot about libertarianism. It seems, Rob, like you are like a born-again libertarian or something like that. Um, and, and what's going on here? Welcome to the show, by the way. Thanks, Tim. Um, yeah, I've, I've been I've been following you for quite some time as well. Uh, again, you know, the whole libertarian movement always appealed to me, but I, ne I was never quite there. And I, I think the main reason being was from a conservative perspective. I've always been conservative. I've, I've always supported right. conservatives. There wasn't such a gap between the Libertarian Party and the Conservatives. I mean, the Conservatives were definitely harder and like different, but I could, I could, I could hang with them, and I, I still kind of their views kind of matched my views. And what's happened recently here is just it's been devastating. And yeah. you know, I, I, ninety five percent of conservatives that are currently sitting, I could never support them, based right. on what's right. happening. I mean, you look at the destruction of our society. You look at the mental health crisis, you look at the, the opioid overdoses doubling in a single year. You look at all the negative stuff that's happened as a result of these lockdowns. And uh, these guys, you, you talk to them about, they just brush it off. It's like they, they don't even want to mention it. Rightfully so, because there's a lot of heat on them over this. But there's just been this huge divide between, you know, it used to be either or. And now it's right. like they, they just went so far that I just I can't support them. I just can't put my name behind that. Right. Yeah, I hear you. And, uh, you know, the rhetoric from conservatives has always been pretty decent. And, you know, most of my friends are fairly conservative. You know, I got friends on all sides of the political spectrum. But if I'm going to be honest, I identify more with the conservative aesthetic now that I'm, an, uh, you know, an older guy, a father. Um, you know, it's just family matters, tradition matters. Um, you know, we, we shouldn't just shuck off tradition and these institutions and, and everything at a whim's notice without thought um you know all those things are, I, I jive with I, I get you know now that i'm older i probably would have been a lot more lefty as a younger man and i've probably shifted more right in terms of that but that's not how i look at the political landscape at all i look at it as libertarian versus authoritarian and, and it's always been that way and i think maybe conservatism misses that point um to a large extent uh, you know, back in the day, I remember Ronald Reagan said, libertarianism is the heart of conservatism. That was a quote directly from the Gipper himself, mm. you know. Um, now, you know, he prosecuted a drug war and did a lot of non-libertarian things. Uh, so the rhetoric was good, but but the, the action wasn't there. And I think the difference between conservatives and the left is that conservatives aren't necessarily serious about their rhetoric. The left is very serious about their rhetoric rhetoric it you know it's the radicals that are driving the agenda it's not trudeau and o'toole and these people who are soft mushy in the middle just kind of reflecting culture it seems to me that it's the hardcore unapologetic leftists that are you know indoctrinating people that are spreading the message that are getting more and more support that are changing the political landscape that are really driving what o'toole the conservatives are saying so, you know, Michael Malice once said that uh, the definition of a conservative is a progressive driving the speed limit. And that, I think that's a fair assessment because it seems like conservatives are just trying to conserve 
you know, the, the status quo from five, 10 years ago. And that's a progressive status quo, by the way, from five, 10 years ago. So they're just behind the times a little bit. Now, I, that may have shifted because, you know, O'Toole is, uh, as far as I could tell, he's ahead of Jagmeet Singh, even on progressivism. He's, he was calling for us to enact the Emergency Measures Act a year ago when he was running for leader of the, the Conservative Party to, to deal with this uh, pandemic. And Jagmeet Singh has just come out and done that uh, last week. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that is the, the primary, uh, I guess, problem with conservatives is that they, they, they are always, they're always taking what they consider a pragmatic approach, which is, look, guys, I understand you want to vote principle and, I, and you want to promote principle, but now's not the time. Now we just, we have to get this, the greatest evil out. Right now, the greatest evil is Justin Trudeau. We have to get him up. We have to rally around O'Toole. I know, I get it. I'm sympathetic to why you support Bernier or Moen or those guys. But look, now's not the time to go that route because Trudeau is an existential threat. Well, I've been hearing that, uh, Rob, for, for 30 plus years. Um, and and that and I, I'm my contention is that's exactly why we're where we're at because conservatism has been impotent this whole time to actually conserve anything to conserve our freedoms. Well, and, and, and it's it's that that back and forth that we always end up conceding every single time we interact. There, we always give something up over and over and over again. And and that's that's the the left never plans on getting their way entirely. They plan on jamming that Overton window so hard that they just pull everybody with them into that direction. And I think, you know, the biggest realization I've had recently, you know, lockdowns aside, every, all this destructive stuff that's happening aside, one of the big realizations that hit me is, you know, I've got three kids and I really started asking myself a question, you know, the direction this country's headed, you know, you look at the, the left, they're taking it in a terrible direction rapidly, but then you look at conservatism and you look at the direction that's going there and per personally, I feel like it's headed in the same direction slower. Yeah. And I, I really started asking myself, you know, knowing full well that there's not a great chance that everybody's going to wake up and vote libertarian tomorrow. For sure. But do I want to, can I forgive myself if I contribute to that degradation of society right. uh, when I look at my kids? And I'd rather support values and the things that matter to me then you know try to try to get my guy to win at this point in time it's more of a principled stance and the future of my kids like it, that's that's it's the whole reason i do what i do and i have got a big mouth and i i bitch about stuff all the time is because i'm driven to do that because i feel like i'm at least doing something right and it's and it's all about my kids and their future and i would never forgive myself if i sat here quietly and just allowed everything to continue to degrade and they ended up with a poor future as a result of it. Now it might not change the outcome a whole bunch, but at least I can sleep at night knowing that I'm not contributing to that narrative, right? Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. And, and your story closely mirrors mine too. I mean, I, I had no, I never wanted to get involved in politics at all. And I, I never had any ambition to be a political figure or political, get, get involved in running for office, let alone running for prime minister. In fact, you know, like I, I told you, I think on your live stream, six months before I found myself running for prime minister, I'd written an article explaining why voting is probably immoral. <laughs> and you should get involved in it. And now I'm asking people to vote for me for prime minister. Oh, um, you hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was the same thing. Look, I've got kids and I see the direction the world's going. 
and I don't like it. And you know, what got me involved in politics in the first place was I think 2009 when Alberta Health, well, when the Alberta government said we're taking over emergency like ambulance services. And, and I saw, you know, I already was a libertarian, but I'm like, man, this, they're stripping us of local control. Like they're going the exact wrong direction. This needs to go. Um, and and our community is going to suffer for that. While well, cut to today, and, and I know in your community, you guys are fighting to hold on to your dispatch services. Like they're stripping you and, and there's already negative outcomes from that. Um, but, you know, it reminds me that there was a quote I came across um, I think it was in Michael Malice's book, but I mean, they, they, rec they, they were recognizing this about conservatism back in the 1800s. This is what a, a preacher named R.L. Dabney had to say about conservatism. He said, conservatism is merely the shadow that follows radicalism as it moves forward towards perdition. It remains behind it, but never retards it and always advances near its leader. Its impotency is not hard indeed to explain. It is worthless because it is a conservatism of expediency only and not of sturdy principle. So that sturdy principle that is missing. And, you know, I think that that is what needs to be advanced. And, and I've never seen a government um, legislate liberty for any period of time uh, from on high when you had a population that didn't believe in liberty. And right now we don't have a population that believes in liberty. You just have to look around at the average voter. You, you and I, and most people that probably listen to this podcast are in a bit of a bubble. The people that we follow on social media that appear in our feed that, you know, all we're getting is uh, people that believe in liberty, but you just go out and talk to the average person and you'll see that that's not as common as what you're seeing in your bias uh, bubble. And, and that's the, the, the reality we're faced with. And, and if you believe that that in order to get liberty, what you need to do is get your favorite politician in government and, and form a majority government, then what Aaron O'Toole is doing actually is makes perfect sense. Canadian people want action on climate change. And if Aaron O'Toole doesn't say something about that or do something about that, he's not going to get elected. Um, it's just that now he's he's rendered himself impotent because when he does get elected, you know, we can expect government to grow. Uh, maybe it'll be a slightly slower pace, but it's still going to grow. And, and that's been the problem with conservatism since uh, time immemorial. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, when I look at, when I look at what we're up against here, like you mentioned, people don't believe in liberty anymore. And that's the other thing that this whole COVID situation has revealed to me is how many people not only are willing to just hand their rights over, but how many people will actively fight to have you hand your rights over as well? Right. And that's the, that's the big thing I'm seeing is it's absolutely, it's, it's horrifying to me to see people like, like I'm, I'm big on the constitution. I've read it a lot. Like I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, in the constitution trying to understand it because as much as I'd like to think we have all the freedoms, I mean, unfortunately we've got some goalposts that we operate within here. So, so I've spent a lot of time on the Constitution and the number of people who have debated with me that the Constitution doesn't say what I think it says in regards to our rights. And one of them is the right to peacefully assemble. And the argument keeps coming back. No, that just means you can protest. Like, no, that means you can have a board game on a Friday night with your <laughs> friends. And like, that's a, you know what I mean? And it's just the people who, like I said, who are justifying this violation of our, and Tim, it's not to say that I don't think we should do anything. Like, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm not saying wide open, open everything up and, and don't protect anybody. It's just, 
there's a better, there's a more effective, less intrusive way to do this. And nobody's pressuring the government to do that. And the government sure as hell isn't volunteering that. They just keep hammering us with these endless lockdowns and destroying people's lives, right? And it's just, it's it's incredible to me that people support us. I I mean, even in the US where they have a very, like you can argue the Canadian constitution is convoluted, difficult to understand, probably not as uh, bulletproof as we'd like. Uh, you know, and, and, but the US, I mean, there's never been a better constitution written. It's got its imperfections too. But here we had, I remember an interview Tucker Carlson did with, I think it was a New Jersey governor, where he, the gov- he asked the governor a question that no other person would ask him. And think what you want of Tucker Carlson. I'm not a fan of a lot of his positions, but at least he's asking some of the right questions. And the question he said, like the governor's like, we have to lock things down. We have to, you know, I think this came on the heels of they arrested or detained 15 uh, Jewish Orthodox Jews because they gathered at a religious ceremony. He's like, where do you get the authority to violate the right to assemble the constitutional authority? Like it's clearly there in the constitution. Where do you get that right? And the governor was just honest. He said, the constitution isn't something I thought about, or you know, we, we didn't even consider that. This is an emergency. So basically, yes, you can suspend the constitution in an emergency. And that happened all through the US where they have a very strong constitution and a very clear one. One shouldn't expect anything better to happen in Canada where we have a muddied one that, that is uh, definitely not bulletproof the way that they are. And and so that that's, I guess, my, my one of my learning uh, the lessons I've learned over the years is, look, it's not good enough to have a piece of paper that, uh, and and imagine that that's good enough to restrain government. What we need is a population in conjunction with that piece of paper that understands the principles of liberty, the philosophy of liberty, and is dedicated to thou, you shall not, government shall not infringe liberty at all. And, um, you know, uh, even, even the true conservative party that, that, PPC, you know, Matt Bernier is, I, I like a lot of what he does, and, and but, you know, his climate change policy, and, and even at this article that came out in uh, the Okanagan Tribune, I think it was, talking, to, you know, he's, he's against the lockdown, and he's against climate action, right? Okay, that's good. Why is he against it? Because there's no crisis happening. Okay, there's, COVID isn't a big crisis, the climate, climate change isn't a big crisis, therefore, we don't need government. Well, the, the thing that he's um, he's agreeing with the left on here is that in a crisis, we need government. And my contention is, look, if there's a climate emergency right now, if there's a serious pandemic right now, we need liberty more than ever. People need yeah. to be able to manage their own risk. They need to be able to protect themselves from adverse conditions. They, they, they can't be robbed. They can't have their future wealth destroyed. They can't be prohibited from doing the things that actually nourish their life and health and, and, and all those kinds of things. And that's, um, you know, what we're really missing from my perspective is, is a, a population that understands that even in a crisis, and especially in a crisis, we need liberty more than ever. Yeah, well, it's, it comes back to this infantization of society we're seeing, right? And, and the less we promote liberty, the more dependence that grows within society on government and on these these, these institutions. And like, I'll, give you, I'll give you what I think is a good example. So, you know, I've been working from home. My, my wife actually ended up taking a full-time job because I'm home and I can, I can kind of get the kids to school and everything. So 
I've been spending a lot more time with my three kids than I ever have. I love every minute of it. It's great. That's if there's any positive here, it's how close I've grown with my family through this whole thing. But my wife, she's, she's an incredible mom and she cares deeply about the safety of our children. What comes with that is they have less freedom. They, you know, you, you, you rewind 10 weeks ago and, you know, if they're out in the front yard uh, without supervision, there's a level of discomfort there. So 10 weeks later, my three kids, I got a separate phone line. I hand them a cell phone and I say, go play in the neighborhood. Uh, give them the rules. I've got two kids that are about to turn eight, one that's 10. Give them the rules. They take that cell phone. They check in every 15, 20 minutes. We make sure they're safe. But it's just about growing that, that independence. And, yeah. uh, you know, the other thing is, like, they're all driving quads now. They, uh, I've, got them, I've got two out of the three of them shooting guns. And this is, this is all within 10 weeks. 10 weeks ago, these nice. kids were like, these little kind of bunny rabbits just kind of huddled around the house and just, just chilling and watching movies and stuff, right? So right. I, I, I see this in society where the direction we've gone is we've infantized society. So I honestly don't know if they're at a level that, and, and this is going to sound really weird and you, and you might not agree with the statement here, but I just don't think they'd know what to do with liberty at this point. I think it might be destructive to them because they've learned to be so dependent. I mean, you look at what goes on around every problem right now is expected to be solved by government, everything. And my opinion is, you, you look at, government should not be the arbiter of good and evil in society. That should be the will of the people. That should be, as, as a person, as, as a force, we, we feel a certain way and, and we drive the right things. That's why these conversations with extremists need to happen so that the, the people, the good people can push back. But everybody turns to government and now we've got a society that needs government to survive. Yeah. And that's the scary part. That's where, that's what snuck up on us here is we yeah. lost that independence, right? No, you're absolutely right. And you know, the, 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 there's so many things I want to say here. Cause you touched on so many themes, you know, that this idea, but sorry, I was kind of all over the place on that. No, one. <laughs> no, but it, it was great. Like, you know, there, there's this whole tension between the masculine and feminine, which is important in society. And Jordan Peterson talks about, you know, why, why free speech is so important because it, it balances those two things. Right. And, and you know, the, the, the feminine uh, kind of motherly view with your kids, like, you know, we keep the training wheels on, we wrap them in bubble wrap. We never take that off. Right. Versus the tension that dad's like, no, we've got to take the training wheels off at some point and let them flourish and go get hurt. Right. And, right. And, and there's that, but it's, it's appropriate to keep training wheels on to a certain point and then take them off. Right. And, and that, there's that tension, you know, there's that saying that that goes something like, um, good mothers raise good children, good fathers raise good adults, right? At a certain point, it's like, okay, dad's got to step in. We, we have to give you some freedom to make some mistakes here, to get your knees scuffed, to fall down. And, and like, you know, and, and that's what that makes good adults. But I, I, would, I would say, look, you know, you're right. And I often think about, okay, well, like reality is going to hit us in the face one way or the other, right? Whether we try to transition people off dependency slowly or not, if, if it doesn't happen, things are going to collapse. And those people on the margins that are used to all these governmental support systems, they're, they're going to be the first to suffer. And, you know, when hyperinflation hits, for example, and food prices are off the charts, and, you know, we're, we're seeing some of that right now already starting. Um, so it's going to hit them one way or the other. And, you know, just like your kids where you dad's dad is now in charge and he's given them all this freedom. Uh, they figured out how to be safe and how to 
navigate. And they probably made a few mistakes that you don't know about in oh, there yeah. as well. Oh, right? they made but some they figured like it out too. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they got home safe and, and they're wiser for it. And, and they're more competent people for it. They figured it out real quick. And I, I have a lot of faith in humans that, and, and we've seen evidence of this over and over again, um, you know, when a government program fails or, or something happens and people step up to the plate and they figure out what to do and they figure out how to take personal responsibility, um, and, you know, and that's going to happen one way or the other. And it's either going to be a really hard, uh, hard, chaotic uh, transition to that, or we can make it more orderly and, you know, uh, repeal it in a way that, that, um, uh, it, that is responsible or something, but one way or the other, it's got to happen because math. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 I posted something on my social media the other day that got quite a bit of attention from libertarians. Actually, it was nice. Um, and it was, you know, libertarianism is, is the great reset that we actually need. Yes. And, and again, we're in this perpetual state of destroying our future because we've built this dependence on all of these programs. So we've got this circular problem that keeps getting worse because people keep expecting more and becoming more dependent. And here we are in five years, we've got a prime minister who has literally doubled the debt in five years. Yeah. And that is nothing but destructive to the future of my children. So, so my, my point is, at some point in time, the Band-Aid needs to come off. And I think it's the heart medicine that society needs to swallow right now is all this stuff they got, it has to go away because it's just like mom and dad not being able to pay the bills, right? right. You got to balance your budget at the end of the month. All of this theory around deficits driving growth and like all this BS you hear, it's like, no, the best thing you can do is not go into debt. Like, I don't care what anybody says. There's no benefit to going into debt. There's some spinoffs, but in the end, you have debt. You have something you need to pay back, right? And, and it's just, we, we, keep, we keep crawling further and further down that tunnel. And again, it, back to what we said earlier, I, wor I worry about my children and I don't want to do anything personally that contributes to them having a difficult or, or an unsuccessful or a challenging future that is unnecessary, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the debt is, well, I think uh, this latest budget commits to, to more spending and debt than the last two, last 22 prime ministers combined or something like that. Yep. Uh, it, it's a hot mess of, of absolute atrocious spending. Um, how are we going to pay for that? Well, they're going to print money and that robs from the buying power of our kids and, and our grandkids, you know, the, the dilutes our own wealth. Whenever they do that, our wealth goes down. Right. Absolutely. And the effects of, of the government uh, interventions into this lockdown that were in theory designed to protect us are going to be harming our, the public's health for, for decades to come. It's, uh, it's absolutely, uh, I don't have any words for it. It's evil is what it is. Yep. Um, so, okay, I, I want to switch gears a little bit because one thing about you is that you are uh, you're very good at getting a message out. You're very good at getting clicks and getting people to share your content. I want to tap into that brain of yours and figure out, okay, well, what, what advice would you have for libertarians out there that are trying to get the message out that are trying to, I mean, it's not a super popular message, right? Like people are, are very favorable to the sentiment of liberty, but they're not super favorable to the philosophy of liberty, right? Because to them, liberty means the freedom to do what I want. 
But when I think about what my neighbor wants to do, I don't know about that, right? And so I see this all the time, right, with the, the gunnies versus the potheads. Uh, and, you know, like the gunnies are all like, give me my right to, you know, bear arms and stuff like that. But I don't trust my neighbor with uh, with those drugs that he's smoking over there. Right. And then the neighbor is thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, give me all this liberty to do whatever kind of put whatever I want into my body. But Jesus, do they really need guns? I mean, that seems kind of dangerous. Like, do we need so people are libertarians when it comes to their life, but they're not necessarily libertarians when it comes to their neighbor's life. That's a great and, point. And, and that it seems to be a hump to get overcome, overcome because everyone likes a sentiment of liberty, but then when it's like, oh, but you're, but if we follow the philosophy of liberty, we have to get rid of the $15 an hour minimum wage. We can't engage in all these wars of aggression. We, we can't have a drug war. We, we have to allow guns and we have, we have, you know, my, pet favorite policy can't be implemented i'm not so down with that so but you seem to have a knack for breaking through that wall a little bit and and getting some views what what, what do you think is the key you know the, the biggest thing for me is like everything i talk about i'm actually extremely passionate about i uh, most of the time like the the content that i create that usually does the best is the stuff that i'll wake up at five o'clock in the morning frustrated and pissed off about something that hit me hit me right there and within 10 minutes I've got a video dialed in and and I've done my rant like it's not it's nothing's heavily scripted like I'll, I'll write down some points and stuff so there, there's like for me it's about having a level of logic but people emotion appeals to people and when I'm in my most emotional state that seems to get the most traction is is because there's that passion and typically a lot of people agree with these things you know you're, you're hitting on stuff that there is a huge amount of agreement on and you're kind of saying things that you're translating people's thoughts for them when you do it so like the the emotion you know striking when the iron's hot is important to me um the other thing is we've got this we got this weird thing that it's no longer a canadian thing to be apologetic it's just a society thing now Everybody is forever tiptoeing and apologizing and trying not to hurt people's feelings. And my opinion is that actually has a negative impact on people's creative flow. So if I walk around all the time thinking about the people I might harm or offend with my words, that's going to push back on my level of creativity and my ability to express myself. And for me, I just, I trust my natural views. I've got some stuff that I just don't touch because again, it's like, there, there's just some off-limit stuff that, you know what, I've got opinions on certain things, but I do respect other people's views. And I, you know, when it comes to religion and stuff like that, I'm like, I don't like to fight with people too much about that stuff because that's very deep stuff. Yeah. But there's that element of not allowing that apologetic culture we have and that worry of who you, whose toes you're stepping on interfere with your ability to express yourself. And if, what I find is eventually if you do it enough and you, and you get good at it, people just accept that that's how you are and they stop attacking you for it. And the people who don't like you just drown you out and say, oh, it's that guy again. But you still have the benefit of engaging the people that like you and that listen to your message and, and things like that, right? So it's, it's a combination of kind of, you know, an emotional appeal to people, but at the same time, kind of an unapologetic uh, way of expressing yourself that, and, and the thing is I find people really appreciate that because as, as, as much as there's so many, like people who are actually stuck in that mode of being apologetic over everything, they still wish that they could not be that way. So it does, it does make them feel good when they see somebody doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, you're absolutely right. I get messages all the time from people saying, thank you for speaking up. I don't feel like I could do that without putting myself in jeopardy and different things like that. And then I start to worry, geez, am I putting myself in jeopardy? I got a full-time job, <laughs> you know, I, I like, because, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's worked out pretty good for me so far, but you know, what you said resonated so much with me that you wake up at five and just something is pissing you off or whatever and you got to do something about it that is totally me to a t and i've actually tried to clamp down on that sometimes and and you're convincing me maybe i shouldn't because you know sometimes i wait i'll be like you know i need to wake up with an attitude of gratitude i can't look at facebook first thing because when i look at that i see something that pisses me off that really wants me to say something um totally totally and the other thing that that uh I thought of as you were talking is, you know, one of the things is that you, it seems to me that you build up credibility. So like a guy like yourself, who's been very outspoken and very, uh, a very good proponent for say gun freedoms for, for or, or something like that, right? You've built up a level of trust with the gunny community, where if you say something like, you know what, would it be so bad if we legalized all the drugs and just let put, you know, the gunny community wouldn't necessarily shun you immediately right they're yeah. like hmm, this guy's been our advocate he's been saying some solid things you know maybe he's got a point here right yeah. and and you kind of build up some credibility when you when you are authentic like that and and um you're doing that so uh, yeah i think those are some really really good points um one other thing too tim is that, like there's always this element like when you when you get into this stuff um there, there's always this element of controversy right and there is a way to frame things to get people engaged in the conversation and right. and sometimes it's just a controversial topic that that grabs attention and it's natural but there's there's like it's not about being clickbaity it's about engaging people yes. and there's a way to frame things to get the most engagement and that's something else that people miss out on is you get a lot of guys they'll they'll do a live stream or a video and they just kind of blah 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 you've got to grab people you've got to make sure that that message grabs people because you want them to listen to you. So there's nothing to be ashamed of in making things a little bit clickbaity because yep. it's for the better good. It's so that I can get my message out and engage people. So, so there's a creative way to do that as well. Like I, I do kind of title things controversially. Um, and it's just, it, it is to, I want the people who disagree with me to watch it. And I want the people who agree with me to, to get pulled into it as well. Because it, it does help give them some ammunition to defend themselves when they get into conversations with people um, that are struggling, that when they're struggling with the same things I'm struggling with, right? Right, right. Yeah, you're absolutely, that, that's a great point. You know, um, you know, I, I use clickbait too. Like I, I put out an article uh, recently on Earth Day about, um, you know, how a libertarian might approach climate catastrophe or something like that um, without carbon taxes and all these other things. And, and so the clickbait title I put out in my tweet was, uh, should, is climate change or is climate action ethical? And the answer is no, especially not in a climate catastrophe. All right. Well, that's something you don't hear every day. That's going to draw in different people. And I saw some leftists tweeted out. I was expecting full on expecting a, a leftist backlash, but if you actually read the article, there's, there's very little to disagree with. I think in the article, it's very reasonable and rational. And there's something that I think both a liberal and a conservative can get behind in that thing. Like if climate yeah. climate change is catastrophic, it's catastrophic because it's destroying property. And those property owners ought to be compensated if they if they can prove in a court of law that um, that your emissions are or your pollution is harming them. 
right? Yeah. And if they can't prove it in the court of law, then it's it's not um, an issue or something like that. So you know, it's much better than this whole public opinion thing. But yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, you got to have catchy titles. You got to have some clickbait in there. But uh, I think the content of your message really comes through that, right? It's like um, rational. It's it's empathetic to the audience that might be hearing it, and and um, you know the the intent behind it is to draw in people that aren't maybe friends of liberty and give them a message that that they can get behind and yeah. that resonates with them or something like that. And, and yeah. you know, different, uh, you know, talking to conservatives is very different than talking to liberals. Like if I'm talking about the drug drug prohibitions and, and how we need to repeal them, well, I'm not going to say to anyone other than a libertarian, it's my body, I can do whatever I want with it. If it's a conservative, I might say, look, um, these drug policies have increased chaos, violence, criminality we have cartels we have shootings we have uh, drug smuggling we have overdose we have all this chaos and, and because conservatives value order they bought value law and order and they want an ordered ordered society and and so you appeal to that on a, the liberal side they can they're concerned about the marginalization and oppression of people and so you say well look obviously this drug war is oppressing people needlessly it's inflicting the same kind of trauma on them that probably caused this addiction to begin with so uh, you know it, it's terrible from that perspective so considering the audience i think is something as well and 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 you know uh back to that credibility piece too there's a lot of people that they like to take video clips and cut them to change the message that the uh, the speaker is intending and i mean i think every one of us that does social media stuff has probably fallen into that at some point but if there's anything I've learned is not to bastardize the stupid thing that somebody said right. by making it even stupider looking um, because people will dig into that and they'll find it out and, and you'll lose credibility. Yeah. So, so my big thing is I want it all on display. I want all the context there. Yeah. And sometimes it requires a little bit of a narrative to explain it. Other times they say something just so absolutely out to lunch that you just need to just put it out there for people to see and they yeah. will listen to it, right? No, that's a really good point. Um, you know, th th there is a, a temptation to 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 um, put something out that's superficial to get your superficial cheerleaders on board and going, yeah. Uh, but you know, a much more powerful thing is to actually bolster your opponent's arguments to the degree you can. Steel man it, right? Be make the yeah. best argument for their case possible and then systematically dismantle that and show yep. why even their best case that you understand even better than them is wrong yep. and that is far more powerful than um than simply just trying to make them look bad mm -hmm. yeah awesome okay well i don't want to take up any more of your time you you're uh, a father you got kids you got all these things going on uh where can people find out more about you where can they follow your your work yeah, if, if they just, uh, like, my biggest pieces, my biggest followings on Facebook, um, Rob Boutlier, just B-O-U-T-I-L-I-E-R. You know, that's the first place people can look, and I just post most of my thoughts and commentary right there. Um, I'm also, I've also got a website that we just kind of launched recently, robbootlier.ca. So I do write commentary and articles there and post it. So, th so there's that. And then I'm on other platforms. If you just search up Patriotic Dad pretty much on any other platform, um, I should pop up, you know, TikTok and, and uh, Twitter and, and Instagram and all those other platforms. A lot less people on them, but I still, I still do dabble in them a bit, right? 
Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm sure my audience has seen you, uh, seen your face and seen your work uh, on, on different things before. Um, it was great having a chat with you. And I know it's going to bolster a lot of libertarian spirits to know that uh, you're you're coming out cheerleading libertarianism. And, and um, you know, this is this is what we need. It's hard. to It's easy to get down in the dumps with all this uh, statism and lockdown fever and, uh, you know, different brands of kind of milk toast liberty going on that are kind of creating some noise in the system. Um, but it's good to have some hardcore, uh, you know, radicals, you know, uh, or just unapologetically principled people uh, standing up for freedom. So thank you for that. And uh, look forward to, to seeing your continued work. Awesome. Thanks, Tim.